people who have walked by faith. But let me set the stage, kind of doing a little repeat of the last few sermons going back. I remember Pastor Don did a great job giving some details. But in Genesis chapter 22, the stage is set when it says, God says, I surely I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and the sands and the seashore. This is talking about Abraham. It's a promise that was laid down. And we realize that uh, the children of God were, were growing and becoming. We, we know of uh, the story of Joseph that actually a week before last that was shared. Uh, and they continue to multiply and multiply. And what we find is, even in the great story of Joseph, and he, he was able to resist temptation by faith, he was able to interpret uh, dreams by faith, he was able to forgive his brothers, and, uh, and by faith his family was saved. We, they wound up growing to a point of where it became threatening to the Pharaoh at that time. In fact, there was a Pharaoh that changed hands and didn't understand the history of Joseph and the people, the Hebrew people. And what we find here is uh, 500 years before Moses, this, this commitment, this uh, promise of Abraham wound up through not only Abraham to Isaac, Isaac to Jacob, Jacob and Esau, and then Jacob had 12 sons, Joseph. All those things happened. And now we come to a point where God's finally wanting to bring a deliverance to an oppressed people. It's kind of interesting to see how somebody, a, 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 a people who are so blessed and so guided by God for so long can can find themselves in hard ways. And that, and that happens with Christians and believers. Isn't that true? So here we are, this preeminent type leadership of the time, the Egyptians, the Pharaohs, uh, Amos, and, and, and here they are uh, 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 bringing fear upon the Israelites. And in fact, it grew to a point that the Pharaoh actually said, even with the slave labor and, and the hardship, as they said, he brings in an Exodus chapter one, verse 22, every son, he makes this commitment, this, this proclamation, every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall take, cast into the Nile. This sets us up for what is about to happen. God brings a deliverer. It's interesting, side note, I don't know if anybody liked to parallel look at things, but Jesus was born, remember when he was born, the story of that? Herod purged all the infants of Bethlehem, and Mary and Joseph took the baby Jesus to Egypt for protection. And here we have, what, we have Moses is being, uh, supposed to be killed, but he basically, his life was saved in Egypt. It's a pretty interesting thing here. Let me move on. This deliverer comes, and so what we have is the birth of Moses. But before we dive totally into that, I, I would like to just illuminate a couple of things as far as his mom. I want you to be thinking about uh, Amram and Jochebed, it, you know, the father and, and the mom, because I believe Jochebed is, is, um, uh, is one of the other people that walked in faith. But join me, and I'll read just a little bit. We'll read together, and then I'll dive in. We'll dive in. Sound good? Hello. All right. Chapter 2, verse 1 of Exodus says, Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. When she hid him, no, could hide him no longer, she took him a basket made of bulrushes and dabbed it with the butin and a pitch, and she put the child in it and placed it in amongst the reeds of the bank. Now, push pause real here. I was thinking about all the moms that their first time to let their kid go to school. Their first, maybe it wasn't a basket, but they put them on a school bus. Or maybe they dropped them off on the curb. Or if you're homeschooling, maybe just, you know, set them down at the table for the first time. And you're just like, ah, you know, whatever it may be, right? Unpause. Verse 4. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done with him. 
Verse 5, now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket amongst the reeds and sent her servant woman and she took it. And when she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the baby was crying. And she took pity on him and said, this one of the Hebrew children. This basically is, is uh, 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 the story where Moses is picked up. But look here, it goes on. His sister said to the Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the girl went back and got his mom. That's a pretty neat way how God can do things. Things you think is just, I'm just trusting them into the, and God's going to work something out. He's got a plan that's beautiful. Always, always, always. Verse nine, and the Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me and I will give you wages. And so the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to the Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son and she named him, what did she name him? Moses. Because she said, I drew him out of the water. Here is this mom. And she's not highlighted a lot, but I was thinking about that the fact that she had a great influence on delivering her son that one day would become the deliverer of all God's people. Have you ever thought of that? We don't know a lot about how much she might have influenced him over the years. Here she is nursemaiding him in, in a way. Uh, we do know further uh, in Scripture that it, when, during the Exodus, M- Moses and Mary did have some communication. And we really don't know how she might have inter- interacted with the, the palace, but we know that she had a, a focus to, to take care of him, to, 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 to be there. To, to, she went to all the trouble to put him in a basket. And so I want to bring a, a thought here, to, which applies not only to a mom, but to families, to parents, to grandparents, to neighbors, to whoever. It says no one ever knows, or one never knows, when acts of, say the word, faith, acts of faith, faith many times is when you can't see what, the outcome is you can't see the tangible. It's a, faith is of the unseen things. And you got faith may impact future generations in significant ways. Educators, thank you. Moms and dads training up a child in the way they should go, thank you. But let me just not limit it to that. If you have a neighbor, if you serve in the back, or maybe God's calling, there is something you cannot quantify. You just are obedient and walk in faith, and God will take care of the rest. Amen. Moving to Moses, which is the second person in this passage, actually, uh, Hebrews would say it's the primary. I just needed to pick that up for the moms. I, you'd think it's Mother's Day, but I think every day is Mom's Day, right? How many know moms just rock it? Moms rock it. Man, you are, never mind, that was, I'm rusty on my jokes. All right, just, just know it it's, it's, uh, needs help. All right, this second person of faith this, this person, Moses, and it's one of the many the Holy Spirit has been revealing through Scripture over the last number of weeks. But we're going to learn three things from the life of Moses. The first thing that, that we learn is the choice that faith makes. There is a choice. When we are a believer, when we are considered a Christian or a Christian, there is some choices that can be made as God calls us forward into his purpose. Would you all agree with that? Some of you have made some tough ones. Some of you have decisions ahead. But it says this as we jump forward to chapter 11. This is part of the the series. Say it with me. By faith. Say by faith. Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to, than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Whoa. Think, now think about this. Moses grew up in a palace. 
I mean, he grew up in at least a three garage, car garage, you know, acreage, mini acreage, right? He's probably, probably is over, you know, 4,000 square foot home. I don't know. He grew up in a palace. He was the son of the crown princes. He had all the privileges of the, being in the royal family. And Joseph, he could have been like Joseph. He'd heard the stories, not necessarily of blood, but look at how much favor I have. And so, but he chose not. He refused to do that. You know, and I, I thought, so wonder what the, Crown Princess thought about all this. I mean, she knew he was a Hebrew from the beginning. He, she had poured out kindness and, and taken care of something. You know, why, why would he not want to live how I've kind of thought he should? You know, all this. I think Pharaoh refused to be called the Pharaoh's daughter's son. Was, maybe he was thinking things like this. I, I belong with the people who are despised by the world. I, I would rather take my stand with the people of God than to have all the treasures of Egypt. Now, this could be a story that we're just talking about history, or could that apply today? Could it be speaking to us? Because we live in middle-class America, most of us. Even if you're poor in America, you're well above the rest of the world. Hmm. Every now and then, I don't know what to say other than, hmm. So if you get to a place and you hear some scripture, hmm, I'm still processing. To make this decision, we see the same thing happening uh, in the modeling of Christ. Think about it. Jesus sat, at, he was in heaven. He had all the royalties of heaven. He, he, he was not being mistreated at all. He was, but he chose because of wanting to do the will of the Father to step out of heaven. Can you imagine leaving the royal robe and coming into this thing that decays and feels things and hurts? He came into this world and we see this parallel. And so Moses, who's living 1,500 years before Jesus, we see this, this, this statement. And that is that he believes that he considered the reproach of Christ greater than the wealth of Egypt. We get this glimpse of this truth. We see that Jesus one day would come into the earth, that he would be mistreated by people, but there would be a glorious reward. So let me just tie this, those two things together. Just like Moses, just like Jesus, the calling on us is the same as the calling was on them. That, that we are to, to consider. You know, Jesus says in Mark chapter 8, it says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And the cross that we're talking about, it always changes with the seasons. Do you remember what your biggest worries were when you were a teenager? And then your 20s and 30s? And for the first service, I said, started with 20s, and some go, we're not there yet. You know, but remember... 40s, 80s, 90s, things change. But God's calling you forward with a purpose. If you're breathing today, does anybody in here not breathing? You know, it's kind of a universe. If you're breathing, then God's got a plan for you until you, he says it's time. He loves you too much to leave you. If, so you have a purpose. And so this cross God gave to Moses involved renouncing his royal title. It, it, it involved taking a stand with people that were being mistreated, people that, of God. And Moses made this decision, not because it calculated out on a spreadsheet and that somehow the net return was worth the return on effort or investment. No, he didn't get, he got out of his mind and he did it in faith because that's what it says, by faith. Hmm. You say, well, how can you take up a cross? Crosses are not necessarily the best thing to carry around. Have you noticed that? 
First thing, how can you, what are the ways? Faith takes up a cross because it can see the world is fleeting. We, we see that in Acts chapter 7, Moses was 40 years old. Thank goodness that you don't have to be young to be followers of God or to redirect your course. Isn't that amazing? I was not, I got to spend a lot of time learning how not to do it the first 25 years of my life. And then finally I found that the thing I'd heard about, the Jesus I knew, found out that he was going to, I needed a savior. So at 25, I had a lot of a mileage. Then, I, then I'm just doing life and trying to grow and become. And at age 37, God calls me into vocational ministry. What? I've been doing all kinds of corporate things, traveling all over the United States. You know, you know my story, or maybe you don't. But at 37, I step into something, I'm like, what? A pivot? Well, then three years later, he says, I want you to go plant a church in Guthrie, Oklahoma. I did not have a pen stuck on the map saying, God, please send me. (laughs) The only thing I knew is they had some pretty good bed and breakfast type things, you know? I really had no clue. 89er Prairie? What in the world is that? You know, I mean, some of y'all don't know that either because you're new. Uh, but no, it's interesting that God, here's Moses at age 40, there's a pivot happening in his life. Some of you, I believe God is calling to you to make a pivot, to make an adjustment, to follow what you've heard, been hearing the Lord leading you towards. And you might have to be like Moses. See, he was riding in chariots, man. He had an Escalade chariot. He had sailboats on the Nile, those ski-doos or sea-doos or whatever. I don't know. Maybe it was a wave, a wave runner type. Anyway, I, I think he had some structures, you know, some building some structures like, you know, his deer blinds and stuff like that. Anyway, I don't know. It was probably good, but he realized it's fleeting. He's not going to take it to heaven with him. How many of you have ever seen a U-Haul behind a hearse? Some of you are like, thinking you're going to take all that with you. Uh-uh. 40. He had a comfortable life, but he realized it's fleeting. The second thing we find about taking up our cross, it can be the fact that there's a greater wealth, a greater reward. It's kind of hard in America when we have so much, but I, as we heard testify or te- testimonies last week of our Brazil team, man, when you're in countries where there's, they're without, and they don't have all the medical, and they don't have all this and all that, man, they're desperate. God seems to be so close, it's because their heart's so ready. To receive all that he is. Isn't that something? But this reward of heaven, the reward of, of more of God, being in the center of God's will brings what? Great joy. Peace that passes all understanding. Well, it's clear his reward, Moses, is he did see it in the world. He stepped away from that. Second Corinthians even says this, for this light... Momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. The meaning us. Beyond all comprehension that we not look to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, meaning passing, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So this by faith, by faith. Okay, the second thing we can find, okay, we have the first one, is that courage that faith brings. Not only the choices, but the courage. How many know we need a little courage nowadays sometimes to get through whatever? A little courage. It says, by faith he left Egypt. Right? He left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. I, I know that if God's calling you somewhere and you're needing to, he's saying, I want you to, this isn't necessarily bad, but the, be, the greater things of me are to move in a direction you're uncomfortable with. And you may have to give up some, you may realign your time or allocation of how you spend your time to make room for him. Ooh, right? 
Some of you are like, this side over here is, I'm not answering. <laughs> Sometimes you need to let go of it, not bad things, but you got to let go of those things so you can get the better things. Time management. What are you sowing your life into? But his, he made this decision, and he says, and I'm going to apply it kind of loosely here, I'm going to start into ministry now. And he goes out to see his people that he's being called to, you know, and he walks up on a situation and one of the slaves is getting beat pretty, pretty strongly. And, and he, you know, it just, how many get riled up that we don't use that word a lot anymore. How many get like really fired up about things? So if you go drive on I-35 in rush hour, you'll get fired up. Anyway, <laughs> fired up. And he, he, he overreacts to the point he kills this guard and he thinks, oh no, what have I done? You know, kind of got past his control point. Mm-hmm. And he thought he could hide it and he couldn't. So here he is, he steps out into what he thinks God's calling, obviously this new purpose in life, and he blows it. He blows it. In fact, you say, well, why did he leave? You know, he, he should have stayed there and kind of worked out his problems. But no, Exodus chapter 2, verse 15 said he fled, fled to the land of Midian. So why did he flee? I think number one, the people weren't ready for him. The people, now I know many of you are on the verge of something great with God, but maybe you're in a holding pattern. Or maybe you're in pain or discomfort and, and, and you're just ready to be delivered and moved on and God is somehow, why is this being delayed? I know it spoke to me, but here's the first thing. God's people were not ready for him. In Exodus 2.14 it says, who made you prince and judge over us? If you're a young person trying to lead in a, a group of people that might be older, guess what? There may be some of them that just look at you and go, hmm, judgment on you, hmm. Who are you to tell me what to do? You hadn't been around here. By the way, every second lieutenant that comes out of the Air Force Academy is told to go find the first sergeant. It should be a, an amen on that. That means go to where people are at and get to know the reality, not the textbook. Second thing, though, is I don't think Moses was ready. I know we're in the world, if it's up to me, I can make it happen if it's to be, right? I'm to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I have a degree or a pedigree or maybe you just have a pet. I don't know what your deal is, but somehow you got some confidence and some sass that doesn't necessarily mean it holds true in the world. I believe Moses wasn't ready. He had a temper, for instance. Hello? He had a temper that if he'd assumed, imagine assuming leadership for the nation with the temper that he had that got let, let go. So uh, he, 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 God said, I'm going to send you to school and send him to the desert. Send him to a place that didn't had no meaning, he thought, but it had lots of meaning. Actually, Dr. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says the worst thing that can happen to a man or a woman is to have success before they're ready. Wow, he wasn't ready. So a man that started off and went into the training season, hopefully none of us have to wait 40 years, a man who had a temper came out as a man full of meekness. Hmm. Act of faith. Why was it an act of faith? How can you take him leaving and, and running from his issues? No, no, no. He was trusting God. He, the faith was that he would leave all that he had, but he realized God had him. Moses always had a faith, and by faith he left Egypt to prepare for the work God would call him to do. Hmm. So many times I see 
ministry leaders, young ministry leaders, and it really is of all ages, they get out there and they hear the Lord and they take the step and they mess up. And all of a sudden they're thinking, well, I've messed up now. The people don't want me and Pharaoh wants to kill me. The pastor's mad. I, no, and not trying to apply that too, too heavily there. I'm done. I've blown it. it. No future for me. You know what? Don't believe that. That's the devil trying to take you out of God's plan. Here's, here's, the, here's the principle. You're, focus on this. Focus your attention on becoming the person God's called you to be, not God's called you to do. Who's he called you to be? And then trust him to lead you into the right work at the right time. Hello? Do not get fixated on a title don't get fixated on a company name. Don't get, don't get fixated on your picture of God's plan for you. I, every one of you has a story, and I'm sure we have plenty that would say, I thought that's what, we, and then God showed up, and God redirected my steps, and God blessed me like I'd never thought before. So never despise the preparation of God. I will have to admit as a young man, I was a, a highly driven dude. And I didn't like waiting. Has anybody in here master that yet? And I wanted to conquer and build, and, and the Lord has worked on me. I remember a regional manager one time looking at me and saying, Williams, you need more tact and diplomacy. Now that came out of a meeting where I'd brought all the justification to win the argument, and by golly, I did. I made sure everybody knew I was right. You know, I'm sure none of you have ever struggled with this. And he said, those are people. And yes, you were right, but you need more tact and diplomacy. Little did I know that it would take me a while to learn that. I think I'm still learning it. May I say that? Paul spent years in Arabia. Jesus worked in a carpenter's shop, and Moses spent 40 years in Midian. But he had a great finish. Great finish. And by faith he left Egypt not being afraid of anger of the king, for he endured, he endured. Let me bring to the third point. Because the third, all of enduring and things of that thing, uh, nature is, we're talking about, but I think here's another thing that helps move us through this process. The confidence that faith enjoys. So many times when you're stepping out in faith, it's hard to, we're just people that like data. We like, we like to, to be able to see it. And stepping in faith, you need a confidence. And we find in verse 28 this. Say it with me again, the first two words. By faith. Folks, do you see how strong and how important faith is? It's by faith that he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood for the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch it. This is in the scripture for us to hear. Here is a man who spent 40 years in preparation. Here is a man that would do miracles. This is a man that, that used to, to form and lead you know, this entire nation. And he really comes back to it. It's penned in the, the, the book of heroes in he, Hebrews chapter 11. I need to still have the blood sacrifice covering me. I'm not able to do all of this without him. And we now know that's Jesus Christ. We not only need the covering of his blood, we need what now comes in the New Testament is the Holy Spirit. But folks, here's a man that's a, that's a, a hero of the Bible, a deliverer of nations, has saw miracle upon miracles, and he realizes it, it, it had to also still be within the context of God. God's covering, God's will, God's way. 
And as we do life, the only way we're really going to have a confidence is trust that God's got you. I don't know what you're carrying today. I don't know what he's, he's in your world, whether it's physical, emotional, whether it's work or whatever. He's saying, I got you. I got that. And if you're starting to get doubting on where you might be headed or what's ahead of you, say, God's got me. God's got this situation. The spirit of faith was in this room so strong during our worship and during our prayer time. That's powerful, folks. That's the presence of God giving us something we can't see, but somehow equipping us in a way that's supernatural. Isn't that awesome? So as we get ready to leave today, what I need to ask you to consider, do you have a faith in an almighty God? I don't mean a knowledge. You may be a great theologian, but if do you really need and come down to, I need a Savior, just like Moses realized, I need something bigger than me. Because if you left here today without truly reconciling, that not that I know of a Savior, but that he's my Savior. He's my shepherd. You'll miss life, and life won't have meaning. That's great, but there's another part that I want to encourage us, and then we're going to pray, amen? <laughs> y- y'all are saying, yeah. <laughs> You're... I want you to know the Lord. I want you to need the Lord. I want you to desire him. But once we get that figured out, so many believers live in an unpowered state. They're still living in the old self. They're still living in your own intellect. You're still living in, in your own nature. And that's not what happened. When Jesus comes into your life, you're made new. We saw some people celebrating that. Have you got it all figured out? No way. But I've decided to have a new source of my director, my direction. And when that happens, he immediately disarms the power of sin over your life. But the problem is many times our habits continue to sin. But there's no power anymore when you have Jesus. What you have is the power to overcome that sin through the transforming, the sanctification process, okay? I want to make sure you're traveling with me here. Did I leave you, lose you on the last turn? So here it is. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Jesus is the answer, amen? And he then says, and now I'm also, when you say, yes, I leave you the Holy Spirit, how many know what I'm talking about? If you know what I'm talking about, the Holy Spirit, gives, let's stand up and let's, we'll close in prayer. Let me, let me explain Holy Spirit very quickly. Can you see him? No. Can you tell he's been around? Hello? I want to make sure somebody that's doubting it hears your confidence. Can you tell the Holy Spirit's around? You know, if you ask the Lord to remove the scales in your eyes or give me eyes to see in the spirit and ears to hear, he's not talking about in the physical. True faith is saying, I believe there's a God that's bigger than the moment, bigger than my weight that's on me. He's got my past, but he's also got my future. Amen? Amen. All right, church, we're going to pray, but you just, you just shouted out a testimony that can go out of this building with power, meaning his power, his dunamis, okay, not yours. But if you go out and keep that up here and out, watch what happens. Lives will be changed. The lame will walk because they'll run into Jesus that you carry. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that today is your day. Father, we thank you that you have brought us a story to remind us of where our faith must rest in who our faith is in. 
And Lord, I pray for anyone here that doesn't know you, that before they leave today, that you would draw them close to you and they would say yes. But Lord, I pray for the church across this globe that the church would allow the Holy Spirit to be the Holy Spirit. And that, Father, a fire, a holy fire would break forth because the days are coming closer and closer to the end in your return, Lord. And we want all to find and realize you, to be drawn into your kingdom and to be saved. So, Lord, let us go from here, not living out the old habits, but let us be living in a renewed state with a renewed identity, Lord, and the power to walk in faith and follow you. Be with the educators the parents, the students. Be with all of us, Lord, as we leave this building and be the church. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, church, it's time to go take the field. Go be the church. God bless.